Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly Podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist. This week, I'm joined by Vincent Nichols, Global Equity Investment Specialist. Welcome, Vincent. Thank you for having me. So we think, Vince, about what's happened over the last 10 days or so in equity markets. It's been a pretty interesting period. Clearly, the pivot was the Fed's meeting. But even going into that meeting, it had been a certainly more challenging environment for equities than we'd seen perhaps in previous months. Negative earnings revisions, at least for the S&P 500. Uh, Obviously, concerns about supply chain bottlenecks, labor markets that don't seem to be recovering quite as quickly as we had hoped. And now after the meeting, we have interest rates rising Uh, and in particular, technology stocks, growth stocks, uh, suffering evidently from that move in rates. We've just now finished then the first down month since January for many equity markets. What do you think are the largest drivers in terms of the change in sentiment that we're experiencing? The first thing that comes to mind and, and probably the most common or obvious answer that you hear for any various disappointments, either company or at the macro level, is of course the, the rapid spread of the Delta variant, right? But we we are only now seeing markets roll over, and that coincides roughly with uh, what we're seeing in COVID now, with it, it uh, improving. So it seems there are not surprisingly many variables at play here, and perhaps interrelated to the COVID resurgence in some instances. Uh, for one, U.S. GDP seems to have peaked and is expected to decelerate faster than previously thought. Many economists have drastically slashed their estimates for third quarter growth. Some of this is surely associated with the consumer more reluctant to get out of the house and spend on various leisure activities. And many of the durable goods that they would rather spend their money on in the meantime are facing a myriad of supply chain disruptions, as you just mentioned. So the good news is that consumers still have the desire and capacity to spend more but current circumstances have pushed this down the road a bit more. Uh, If it turns out that this is the main culprit behind the recent weakness, then it would logically seem that now is yet another great opportunity for investors to, of course, buy the dip. Uh, The other variable that may be more concerning is that we are now getting into the late hours of the monetary and fiscal stimulus parties where revelers are getting a bit weary and thinking about the sobering day ahead. Uh, Tapering from the Fed is, of course, imminent and even likely to begin before the end of the year. The Fed is still going to be accumulating massive amounts of securities on a continuous basis, but prudent investors discount future expectations, and the Fed playbook is increasingly looking more hawkish. Emergency pandemic unemployment benefits have recently lapsed here in September, and now roughly 7 million Americans have just experienced what amounts really to a massive pay cut. This may actually prove to be a healthy development from the corporate perspective, though. Uh, This could work to help eventually ease supply and demand mismatches and relieve upward pressure on wages, particularly amongst the lower skilled workers. However, on balance, this all seems to be a net negative for sentiment at the time being. Uh, And of, of course, the resurgence of the Delta variant has had a direct impact on employment, as we have seen disappointing job growth in August, with particular weakness in COVID-sensitive industries. And initial unemployment claims have also jumped higher in recent weeks. 
I agree. Certainly, the labor market hasn't evolved the way more or less everyone seems to have expected. And you're right, the surprising, I don't know if you can use the word unwillingness, reticence uh, of workers to come back into the labor market when we're aware uh, a lot of jobs are available uh, does seem to be a factor that's that's weighed at least until recently on bond yields because you wonder how quickly the economy is able to grow if you don't have em- employees, workers, uh, ready, willing, and able to take those jobs. Other than the heightened labor market friction, uh, you mentioned supply chain disruptions. Could you perhaps elaborate a bit on the impact these issues are having on inflation uh, and then the subsequent impact on corporations? And in particular, what does that tell us about the consumer sector? Yes, uh, elevated inflationary pressures are, are certainly another factor playing a role in market behavior. Uh, just recently, producer prices are up 8.3% over one year ago. That's actually the largest annual gain since the Labor Department started calculating this metric and that back in 2010. Uh, sharp increases to input costs and wage hikes are going to ultimately squeeze corporate profits in the short term at a minimum. Pricing power, resilient business models with low or at the very least stable variable costs should have an advantage if such an environment is sustained for an extended period of time. Uh, Prices in many raw materials, uh, I think, will likely abate uh, as COVID-related disruptions ease. We saw this earlier in the year with lumber prices. And you know, while that was extremely volatile, uh, we're still seeing similar moves in, in other commodities such as iron ore and, and steel prices. Uh, of course, less volatile than lumber, but you see that, that uh, relaxation or improvement over time as, as these disruptions work themselves out. This is already having an impact on top lines for many companies whether consumer durables or consumer services, but this is more likely temporary. Uh, The bigger concern is probably on the wage front, where costs should prove to be stickier. The expiration of emergency unemployment benefits that we mentioned earlier, uh, this should help slow further increases, but we are unlikely to experience a significant reversal, if any, like we have with, with some of these commodity markets. Companies with larger representation of low-skilled workforces could be the most at risk of margin compression. The consumer sector had a tremendous year last year, uh, particularly in the market rebound after the first quarter. So it's not all that surprising to see some relatively modest underperformance so far this year, given these circumstances. And if you look at the the cumulative performance uh, going back to the beginning of last year, still significant outperformance from the sector. So if most of these issues do prove to be transitory, of course, that's the financial buzzword of this year, then there may be a good opportunity to allocate to the consumer sector in the near future. Meanwhile, even if government handouts decline sharply going forward, consumer savings are still quite robust. And if the third wave of COVID continues to improve, so will the job market. All of this feeds into a healthier, more sustainable economic recovery and not one just propped up by government stimulus. Uh, If we look back to one point during the the recovery period last year, the government was on the hook for nearly one-third of American income. So to me, this is is overall a a more healthy development for the market, although it could cause some some volatility in markets. So the challenge here is in timing. 
what does transitory really mean? We gain comfort in the fact that buying quality businesses at reasonable prices should more often than not prove profitable. Uh, more importantly, companies at the cutting edge of innovation that are disrupting their industries and gaining share have the opportunity to outperform in really any market environment. So COVID has accelerated most of these market evolutions. So we think, and I think a lot of people would share the view that investment strategies that favor such investments at the expense of those being left behind in the wake of change should benefit disproportionately. So it's interesting you mentioned uh, the consumer. As we know, in the U.S., consumer is king and yeah, probably the, the crucial sector for the U.S. economy. That what was quite notable with the recent PMI data that we got out of China uh, was in contrast to the pattern that we had earlier in the pandemic where you had the manufacturing sector do relatively well uh, and service sector fell. Uh, the recent PMIs actually showed the reverse, that we had manufacturing sector weaken and fall below 50, whereas you had a rebound in the services sector. So the, the consumer sentiment and that willingness and ability to spend without question uh, is going to be fundamental. So let's turn uh, to a specific part of the market, U.S. small caps, if we may. Uh, given all the considerations we've discussed so far, how do you see U.S. small caps in the current environment? Yes, U.S. small caps are, are not the low-hanging fruit that they once were, and the easy money has, has been made there already. You know, additionally, U.S. small caps are more sensitive to economic conditions, and we earlier mentioned that growth forecasts have, have come down significantly for the third quarter uh, and likely peaked back in the second quarter of this year. So on their own, these developments are, are not supportive of stocks down the market cap spectrum. That said, we have already witnessed underperformance from U.S. small caps for more than six months now, really since mid-March, uh, to, be, to be exact. Uh, and that's been in magnitude of more than 15% underperformance versus you know, the S&P. So while growth forecasts are not as good as they were previously, they're still well above trend going forward. The underperformance has not yet coincided with fundamentals either. So U.S. small cap earnings expectations for 2021 have improved nearly every month this year and more rapidly than those of their larger counterparts also. So that leaves an interesting situation where valuations are, are actually looking extremely attractive for small caps. Uh, they're trading at a steep discount to large caps. Uh, and historically, that you, you expect small caps to trade at a modest premium. So really a great opportunity to be looking at the asset class, particularly if growth forecasts uh, play out as expected. So if I could summarize some of the points that Vincent has shared with us, uh, kind of pointing out, certainly it's been a challenging few weeks for the markets and probably several factors that we can point to uh, as to what's behind the weakness that we've seen. Uh, of course, wage and supply chain bottlenecks that not only we've had to deal with, but seems like we're going to have to continue to deal with for longer than we thought. Uh, as Vince point out, temporary sometimes isn't quite so temporary. Uh, of course, COVID uh, has been an issue. Uh, and then now we have to add to that the prospect of, of higher interest rates following the Fed meeting. But on the positive side, uh, there still seems to be a strong willingness on the part of consumers to spend. And certainly in the U.S., that's fundamental. Uh, savings are high. 
uh, and meaning even with the cut in unemployment benefits for part of the U.S. population, we still think there's capacity, in particular around the supply chain bottlenecks. These should eventually resolve themselves. And even on the COVID front, frankly, the news is getting better as infection rates are falling particularly what that might mean for small cap stocks after several months, frankly, of, of underperformance. The thing Vince pointed out to focus on is the earnings outlook, which frankly still looks quite good and certainly more attractive valuations now uh, than you've often had historically. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please check out our Investors Corner blog or reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks to Vincent for sharing his insights. Thank you, Vincent. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. Please join us next week when I'll be speaking with Skander Chabi about convertibles. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.